playing with Green Bay under the leadership of Lombardi and winning so many championships in a relatively short period of time. We won five in seven years. No one's ever done that. NFL Hall of Famer Bart Starr. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Buell Thompson. The Kansas City Chiefs are meeting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs also played in the very first Super Bowl, Super Bowl I in 1967, and it was their misfortune to be playing the Green Bay Packers because the Packers that year were led by quarterback Bart Starr, who became the most valuable player of Super Bowl I. In fact, also the most valuable player of Super Bowl II. I met Bart Starr in 1987 when he wrote a memoir of not just his years with the Green Bay Packers, but his college career, his childhood, and of course his post-Green Bay career. So here now from 1987, Super Bowl I MVP, Bart Starr. Your life in football is quite the story. So many people look up to you and will read this with, with they'll go to the bookstore and, and snap up copies. Is it important to you that the book be a commercial success? Or was it just important to you to be able to get your life in football down on paper and in a book? Really, neither, Bill. Uh, I hope that it's well read. I hope that people find it interesting. Uh, that was the reason I wrote the book. No, I didn't feel that I had anything to say that needed to be put in front of the public. Not at all. In fact, I'm a rather private person, and only because someone had urged me to write this book years after, really, uh, the bulk of what's in there took place, uh, did I agree to. But he convinced me that no one knew Coach Lombardi as well as I. No one was in as many meetings. Uh, no one else was asked to submit to him when he came here to Washington uh, his game plans and all the specific notes that he'd taken over the years, which was the finest tribute the gentleman ever paid me. And also, no one has ever written about our private lives, uh, our family happenings and tragedies and uh, elations. And so because of that, I chose to write it because I think it makes a very interesting book to read. If you had been the major star today that you were 20 years ago, your private life could not have kept, have, have stayed private for so long, could it? Probably not, but in Green Bay, where I played, it would have remained a little more private longer because that's a very unique community. I've often wondered why Green Bay has an NFL franchise. I think a lot of people probably do. <laughs> and, and in today's uh, uh, structure of the National Football League, Bill, it probably would not, obviously. It goes without saying that the uh, size of the TV market would not merit it, uh, the population base... Uh, even the fact that they have season ticket sellouts every year and have for many, many years and will uh, probably for a lifetime uh, wouldn't guarantee you that simply because of its lack of size. If you have to pick out certain highlights, the, 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 the moments in your career that stand out more than others, I know it's probably like choosing which of your children you like best, but <laughs> what, are, what, what moments stand out when, when, when the Bart Starr epitaph is written? What moments will stand out? Uh, marriage to my wife, who's seated a few feet from me over here. Uh, beginning a career with the Green Bay Packers, I was injured my final two years of college and quite frankly had some serious doubts as to well, whether I would be able to play professional football, which had been a dream of mine from the time I started in college. Believe it or not, I really wanted to play professional football. I wasn't sure I could. I worked extremely hard to make it in the pros. I was a 17th round draft choice and the odds of making it are against you. 
And so I think that from then on, uh, the things that I remember most were playing with Green Bay under the leadership of Lombardi and winning so many championships in a relatively short period of time. As you know, we won five in seven years. No one's ever done that. And those bring back uh, a lot of great memories. You really had a dynasty. We did. I, I don't like that term, but uh, I guess in a sense that we certainly did. And then I should continue beyond that football and go back to the, the family structure, if you will, uh, the birth of our sons, uh, seeing them grow and develop and ultimately become uh, young men. Bart Jr. is married. Has He and his wife have two daughters, uh, which gives us as grandparents now some new thrills. And Brett, uh, our second son, is also talked about uh, in depth in the book because of some of the things which happened in his life. And so all of those were not only uh, uh, interesting segments of our own private lives, but of our public lives as well. You say that uh, you were prepared for the the hard-driving Vince Lombardi by your childhood. Bill, I was because I had grown up under the very firm iron hand, if you will, of a tough master sergeant. And when media people like you would ask me through the years if it were difficult to play for Coach Lombardi, I'd say, no, it's a piece of cake. And they'd look at me like I was nuts. And then I would quickly say, growing up and playing for a Ben Starr was tough. And that's what I meant by it. Um, He was tough. He was extremely tough. And only after our first son arrived did he become more of a teddy bear. I can't picture him as a teddy bear. <laughs> well, believe it or not, uh, you, you probably couldn't, but uh, that's exactly what he became. It was amazing what those grandchildren did to him and for him. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your most vivid memories of Vince Lombardi? I called my wife uh, after our first meeting with him when he had assembled us in Green Bay for what would be labeled today a mini camp. He had brought the quarterbacks and a couple of other people in for an indoctrination session. I called her after two hours of our first meeting and said, Honey, I am so excited. I, I may not be able to sit for a while. That There are going to be some unique changes, and it's going to be super around here again. And um, what I meant by that was that in one brief early meeting, I could sense that uh, we, we were going to have a change of atmosphere and that we were going to win because the man was so dynamic. He taught so beautifully. He was so extremely well-organized and well-prepared that uh, you were captivated by that, and I was in our initial meeting. Happy years under him? Very much so. Uh, My first couple of years, Bill, were a struggle. Uh, He wasn't convinced that I was his quarterback. I had to earn his trust and his respect and his confidence, and that was fine. I did all that, and I think that made the relationship even stronger. Plus, I, I stood up to him at a time when I feel that I needed, felt that I needed to, and I believe that earned me even more respect from him. He had just blistered me in front of the team at a practice session one day for an interception, which really wasn't a clean interception. The ball was tipped, which can happen, and was picked off, and um, he just, oh, leveled me verbally and so I asked to see him after the practice session and and went inside and said look coach I can take the chewing if I have that coming fine but when you have seen later that it might have been a mistake you apologize to me here in the privacy of your office but you blister me in front of my teammates if you are asking me to be the kind of leader that you say you are I said apologize to me out there in front of them or don't blister me in front of them chew me out in here if I have it coming but do it privately 
he did after that. He never berated me in front of the team ever again, and we developed a very strong, long-lasting relationship. I would think that it would at once be very easy and very difficult to be a coach after working under a coach like Vince Lombardi. It was. Uh, tradition was on our side, my side, if you will, and that I was grateful for. I've always felt that tradition plays a huge part in winning, and I'm sure you agree. Uh, however, the the negative side of that was, is, although I had learned some tremendously valuable lessons under him, Bill, I wasn't prepared to be a coach. I had not planned to be. I hadn't done my apprenticeship under those best names, the Shulas, the Landrys, the Chuck Knowles, the Knoxes, and on and on. And therefore, I was not well prepared, and it took me longer to become a good coach than it should have, uh, or that I should say that people probably perceive that it should have. But uh, I learned a lot from Coach Lombardi and was able to uh, transmit that back to our own coaching regime and benefited from those lessons. What is there, if I can shift gears for just a moment, what happened early on in your life that I'm sitting here interviewing former quarterback Bart Starr as opposed to former Milwaukee Braves second baseman Bart Starr? Good question because I really liked baseball as a youngster, but my father took me to see an Alabama, uh, I believe it was either a Vanderbilt or Tennessee game years ago, and there was a gentleman playing for Alabama by the name of Harry Gilmer. And Harry Gilmer was a... Uh, a tailback or a halfback in the old Notre Dame box where they would literally shift. The four guys in the backfield would shift and the ball would be snapped directly to this halfback or to someone else. And he ran what was called a running, jumping pass. And he so captivated my imagination that I knew right then that I wanted to be a football player. I had played around on the sandlots and so forth and played catch and touch and that sort of thing. But I really was never that interested in football. After watching that one game, I was spellbound. And from then on, I devoted most of my energy to playing football, although I played baseball through high school. Gee. It's, it, there are so many athletes, it seems, who excel. It, for nerds like me who are only good at slide rules, and, <laughs> and it makes us rather envious that not only were you good in one sport but in several well, I don't know how good I was in baseball. I, I remember when we were on a state championship team once uh, in a small town playing baseball, and I struck out, and I came back to the bench, and there was a guy behind me, and he said, that ball's a little smaller than that football, isn't it, Star? And laughed, you know, and my next hit up, or my next hit bat up, uh, I hit a triple. And I was really tempted when I scored on a, on a uh, long fly ball to come back and say something about it, but I didn't. But I'll never forget that because, boy, he was really on my case. <laughs> What quarterbacks do you see in the NFL today that you really like? Bill, I like a lot of them. I, I won't be drawn into naming just one. There are too many good ones out there. I, I saw late last night Montana and Kozar playing. Uh, Fouts yesterday afternoon was playing against Elway. Uh, Marino has done some miraculous things for Miami. Kelly uh, is really coming on strong up at New England. I'm um, up at uh, Buffalo. Uh, you can go around the league like that and pick out guys who can really play. And it's, it's difficult to name just one. I like McMahon. Uh, he's a winner. When you look at the games the Bears have won, when he has started for them, it's incredible the record he's compiled there. And so, see, I've named uh, six or eight already, and I wouldn't dare pick one from that group. How does Jay Schrader look to you? 
I like him. Uh, I met him for the first time a, a few weeks ago uh, during the strike, and uh, I really like the guy. Of course, I love his size because I think that's a real asset today. What did you think about the strike? Could you imagine yourself have been on strike in the 60s? Yes, if I were a player and it had been called, I'm sure I would have been because my loyalty lay with the Players Association. In fact, years ago, I spoke before the Players Association requesting solidarity and unity, and I did so, ironically, with the blessings of Lombardi. I went to him to tell him that I had been asked to speak there. I felt that I should, and I wanted his opinion. He said, go with my blessings. He said, if I were in your shoes, I'd speak too. Let me ask you about one other thing that that whenever the NFL is mentioned today, another phrase comes up is drug testing. Should NFL players be subject to drug testing? I think so. Uh, I think that we should test across the board uh, within reason, and, and that's hard to define. But I believe that we have unique responsibilities. Bill, I know it's a very delicate issue. I know it crosses lines of rights and freedoms and so forth. But I've always believed that because of those rights and freedoms, we have commensurate responsibilities. And I believe that when we are in positions of responsibility, then we have to concede that they uh, precede the rights and freedoms, and thus it's our responsibility to go along with uh, a drug testing or an appraisal or this evaluation that's necessary uh, to to continue to provide those rights and freedoms. Now, if that sounds a little bit wordy, I'm sorry, but uh, I just don't believe that we should hide behind a shield and say, well, it's my right and my freedom not to have to do that. Let me return just in a couple moments that we have left to the book. Were there times as you were sitting down writing the book that you came to a point you said, no, I, I can't leave that in. I, I, I can't write about that. There's only one area that I didn't spend a great deal of time on, and the reason I didn't is that it's over, it's done, and I saw no reason to uh, belabor the point, and that was um, my release by the Packers. Uh, It was not handled with uh, class, and I regret that because it's a good organization. I had a love affair with that organization for many, many years. Because of that incident, uh, my relationship with the organization and the team uh, is a damaged one. And it's it's something I regret because I had spent so many years there and had loved being there. It was our home. Uh, we no longer feel that way about it except about our personal friends in the city of Green Bay. And and that's a shame because to have spent that many years and have been that close to an organization you you'd, would like to have left on, on much better terms and I wasn't able to. But rather than belabor that, I didn't get into it at length. You look contented now. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm not contented from the standpoint that I'd like to be back in football, and I'm with a group in Arizona seeking an NFL expansion team. Uh, I think if we're able to have that come to pass in time, uh, we'll be very pleased to be back in the league and, and back in a, in a sport which we feel has tremendous appeal for the average fan out there, and I hope that comes about because I'm with a great group of people. The NFL now hands out the annual Bart Star Award which goes to a player of outstanding character. Bart Starr died in 2019. He was 85. Now you can find easy Amazon links to Bart Starr's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Now is this the first time you've heard an episode of Now I've Heard Everything? Well, welcome. We're glad you found us. Now you can hear all of our past episodes, seasons one, two, and now we're into season three, at our website, 
heardeverything.com. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the woman who was married to the man who became the Capitol Beltway sniper. My 2010 interview with Mildred Muhammad. Not even I thought that John was capable of thinking of something like that because the whole time I didn't know that he was the sniper. It didn't come together for me until ATF knocked on my door. It's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thank you.